not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Karen, horror death. Film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no sides. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, Brain Trust. Thank you all for listening. I hope you are well and having a wonderful week since last week on Earth. Um, the good news about it is that every week there is a new week on Earth. And then when the week ends, it's then last week on Earth, which is this podcast happening right now, this last week on Earth episode. You guys get it. You're on board, and I'm glad that we are. Um, this is going to be a very, very short podcast um, because I am incredibly sleep-deprived, and I'm on about four and a half or five hours broken into two chunks. I had to wake up to do a podcast this morning and then go back to bed as I'm doing all in my power possible to promote the culmination of my 16 years as a stand-up comedian and the 20 years, 21 years of me doing comedy, if you include my college TV show and my radio show in high school, at the end of high school. Um, It's a very long time. And all of it has led to, like, one, my stand-up identity, essentially, has all led to this special. I've been holding on to some of my favorite bits for a very long time that I'm about to be clearing out um, of my arsenal of stand-up material as I develop my new hour. And it's just a culmination of a lot of hard work and traveling the country and traveling the world and giving my all to every single show that I've done over the years. Um trying to kill it for every audience that pays to come see me and takes time out of their day to come laugh at my jokes and let loose for a night. And it all, I feel like, comes down to this one night, this Friday, June 3rd, my first one-hour stand-up comedy special on Showtime. It's called Ben Glebe, Neurotic Gangster. And anyone who listens to this podcast, I think you should have a pretty good idea why I called it that. Please do spread the word about it. Use the hashtag Neurotic Gangster. Telling people Friday, June 3rd, 10 p.m. on Showtime. If you tweet that on Twitter, I will personally thank you on Twitter. Um, and if you've seen on my Facebook fan page, my main Facebook page that I use, facebook.com slash if you share the post that I put saying this um, and tagging Neurotic Gangster as a hashtag and trying to tag me, just tag the hashtags all matters really. Um, telling people to watch it, then I will send you a personal video message to your Facebook inbox that you can save and repost or just keep or whatever. Um, not show to anyone because you're embarrassed that you have it in your inbox. It's like, why do I want this? But 
maybe I'll, I'll look at it every couple of years and not tell others that I did that. Whatever you want to do with it. Anyway, point being, please spread the word. And because of that, I'm doing an enormous amount of press, making all these personal videos. I've already done over 100 of them, and I have about another 100 to do already. Um, and I'm doing about 15 to 17 podcasts this week that I've already recorded most of, and, I, and radio shows and TV shows. And it's just been a lot. It's been really great, but it's a lot. I'm trying to get the word out as best I can so that this opportunity doesn't go by. Because in life, when you get rare, great opportunities, you really just have to grab them with as much fervor as you can. And um, I just drank out of a Arrowhead bottle that has one of those, like, nipple tops. You know what I mean? Not a nipple top, but, like, one of those flip tops, like a sport bottle. I never like drinking out of those. It tastes too plasticky. It makes me feel like I'm a rabbit or a hamster or a little baby. And I don't know if you listen to this podcast long enough to know I'm neither of those things. Things. Neither of those things. Three things. Oh, I do not like when I misspeak. I do not like them in a bus. I do not like them with a man named Gus who wears a handlebar mustache. That's how green eggs and ham goes, right? Question mark. I had a weird childhood. Um, my point being is I have to be very short because I'm on this little sleep and I now have to wake up. No exaggeration is 2.40 a.m. right now on Wednesday night in my house and I have to wake up at um, 6.40 a.m. in exactly four hours to do a full day of press. I'm doing um, the Heidi and Frank radio show in the morning and then I'm doing the Jason Ellis Sirius Satellite radio show in the afternoon and then the late afternoon or evening I'm doing Megan McCain's radio show for... I believe it's Radio 1. Um, uh, I might be getting that wrong, but it's Megan McCain's show. She was the second guest ever on this podcast, um, and she was kind enough to have me on so I can spread the word. Um, Tommy Lahren just had me on, who was the guest on Political Idiot Test. I've done so many. Heather McDonald's just dropped. I'm on Josh Wolf's podcast, Ross Matthews' podcast. All my old Chelsea friends had me on to promote it. Joe Coy, I just did a week and a half ago. Adam Ray and Brad Williams' podcast just dropped that I did. It's been an enormous amount. Michael Malone has an amazing one. If you guys ever want to hear some details of my speech problem that I overcame in my life, but I couldn't even used to be able to speak to a small group of students in a class or in passing a friend in the hallway and now, you know, performing to millions my stand-up comedy um, you can hear that story in this very cool 13-minute podcast he does called Punched Up Pod or Punched Up Podcast. And I also just did my manager, Barry Katz, amazing podcast, Industry Standard. And it's one of my favorite podcasts that I've done in a very, very long time. Um, um, it's about the industry and it's more about the producing side and the effort that came into getting to this place in my career and anybody's career. You should listen to his podcast in general. Interviews like industry titans, like heads of HBO, heads of studios, agents, acting coaches, actors, producers, mostly on the production side, not that many actors. I was like honored to be asked because, um, because you know, I'm known obviously more for my on-camera things, but um, and my microphone things, but producing and executive producing and creating and writing is a big part of what I do as well. It's just not the public-facing part. Um, and that podcast too, I talked at great length about my speech problem and about my process coming up and how he and I met when I was 18 and still in college and all the work that it took through the National Lampoon Network and the original Glebe show and all these things to get to where I am now. Um, and hopefully getting much different places and further and more fun places to entertain you guys for the rest of my life and the rest of yours, depending who lives longest. Um, if I live shorter than you guys, then I won't entertain you for the rest of your life. But I will for the rest of mine. 
it's going to be true one way or the other. Um, and hopefully it's like right around the same time. Maybe we should do like a, you know, a big cult ending together, drinking some kind of Kool-Aid maybe when we're 106 years old. You want to do 106 year old Kool-Aid death pact? I'm in if you guys are in. Um, but I promise I would actually drink the Kool-Aid at the same time as everybody else. This is a bad plan. But at 106 at that point, nah, technology would be so cool. Maybe we'll be able to live our brains forever. I'm calling off the pact, you guys. It was short-lived. But um, let's just grow real old together is my main delirious point. Um, but, <laughs> my God. Um, but I suggest listening to it. It's like two-and-a-half-hour podcast that I did with, with Barry, but it's really the full story almost of my career. I mean, leaving out... Still, of course, hundreds of details because I could fill a couple books with the amount of work it takes to get where you want to go in this business. But um, still, um, um, I think it was a very interesting conversation. And um, so while this will be a very short, very, very short, I'm thinking like 15-minute episode of this podcast, um, probably our shortest ever, I'm sure. Um, I've done quite a lot of podcasts that you can catch up on. And my interview with my conversation with Josh Wolf. He might have smoked a little here now, you know what I'm saying? Might have. And it was in his backyard the other day and just came out and is also about an hour and a half and it's just us like philosophizing, talking about the old Chelsea lately days, but also like me sharing a lot of my like weird life philosophies about how to conquer cold, about how to um, overcome obstacles in your life, about, um, and just talking about this like, you know, kind of like, uh, just all, all, all these different thoughts that have been running through my head lately. I also rap on it. And I just remembered I also did Michael Yo's podcast the other day. I mean, it's incredible how everybody just opened their arms to have me on to promote this special and spread the word. I'm really praying that, hoping that um, Neurotic Gangster starts trending and people really tune in to watch this special. So um, anyway, we're just going to do, off the top of my head, um, the stories that are sticking out to me. It's just really two big stories from this week. Two and a half big stories and then we'll do Twitter answers and we'll say goodnight for this week. Um, but um, um, the gorilla. I already commented about this on Instagram doing these Bengali breakdown posts I'm doing but everybody's up in arms but Harambe the gorilla had to be shot by the zookeepers because a human child four year old fell into the enclosure. Um, you should not be flipping out because that was the correct choice to do. There's no other plausible action to take in an instance like that because a four-year-old human being was being manhandled and not even so ape-handled by a enormous gorilla, an enormous gorilla, to be both grammatically and respectfully correct so I don't get trampled by a grammar stickler gorilla who might hear this podcast. I mean, at first he was sort of chill, and then started dragging the kid around like he was a handbag, like a knockoff handbag. The kid got concussions. You can't be angry about every single thing. Not everything is cause for outrage. And I've never fully understood the like valuing of animal causes above human causes. I know the counter-argument is that they're innocent because they don't make human choices. Neither do four-year-old kids. The kid made a mistake, crawled under a thing because he's a curious child, and fell. And it was probably incredibly frightening. And if that gorilla, a like thousand pound thing, it was thing that was enormous, 
all of a sudden was like, this kid feels like a hacky sack, and started like bouncing him around on the ground because he thought it would be fun. My kid would have died. Everybody would have been up in arms, and rightfully so. How did the zoo not shoot this gorilla? It's, of course, tragic and sad the gorilla was killed. It's a beautiful, majestic animal and an endangered species. So, of course, you don't want to kill them. It's a tragedy that happened. But in many situations in life, you have to go with the greater good or the lesser of two evils. That's how you make decisions. Otherwise, you get paralyzed by inaction and society falls apart. So human life, in my opinion, tweet at me if I'm wrong, is more valuable and important to protect if we had to make the choice than an animal's life. Case in point, why do we, as I talk about in, in, in my special, value animals, certain ones so much? Why? Because they're cuter or a little smarter? We murder millions of animals every day to eat them. We eat them. So to save a baby, we shouldn't shoot one? You understand my point? The endangered part sucks, but it's still a call you got to make. I believe. So there's that. Um, glad the kid's safe. Does anybody care about the kid? Everybody's like, shame the mom. No, don't, don't shame the mom. She's been shamed enough by having her child crawl into gorillas and then be dragged around and ape-handled and then be in a hospital with concussions and then the world hating on them, hating on her as a mom. You don't need to, like, punish her further. I think the bullying of the world is aplenty in the punishment depot or department. I'm not sure if they're the same word, really. They're not. Depot is like an area that like holds and kind of like a silo, and, and a department is a subsection of a place. But D-E-P-O-T and D-E-P-T, just drop that O. Oh, no, what you got? You got department, or at least an abbreviation thereof, period. I'm really, at this point... Now just speaking to create quotes for Bridget Woodbury to transcribe on the At Last Week on Earth Twitter page, as she so kindly does every week. Um, I also know that I am quite tired because I keep feeling the need to say things like period and question mark. I think I said question mark earlier, as though I'm dictating this podcast to be typed up by Siri. But I am not. I'm speaking it to be heard by ears of all of you in the brain trust. And most of you, from what I understand, have ears. But we'll talk about senses in a moment when it comes to Twitter answers. The last story I just want to discuss is a quick reflection again on the goings-on of this presidential election. And that Donald Trump held this antagonistic press conference with the press that he so loathes. Um, chastising them for asking him if he indeed donated the money that he said he did. Many months ago, $6 million to veterans organizations after he didn't, didn't event to raise money and skip that debate after the, I think, the New Hampshire primary. And he hadn't. He now has only given $5.4 million. It's a lot of money to raise for veterans. It's cool he did that. But he said six a long time ago, and if he wasn't checked by the press, they would have believed it was six, and it's $5.4 million. And much of that $5.4 million was just given that the day that he was called out by the Washington Post for not or, or, or asking if indeed he had given all the money out and called out on it, that day he wrote most of the checks, many, many months later. That's a pretty bad thing. When you're running on all these blustery lines without policy details, and all you say is, I'll be the best for veterans, veterans love me. 
Well, then you actually have to at least do that. At least be the best for veterans. So, the media definitely is out to get him. But I think in a lot of ways, rightly so. So he's angry, rightly so. But also, on the moral side of it, I think more so the media should be angry and the populace of the country should be angry because... I mean, obviously, but because he's not even doing the basic few things he's saying. Doesn't that matter to anybody? Oh, he calls it like it is. What do you mean? He doesn't. He said he donated and he doesn't. So if your one thing is being honest and you're not honest, then you don't have that one thing. That's basic math. It's one minus one equals zero. It's as basic as an equation gets. Um, it's not even an equation. It's just like a simple substitution. It's just like simple subtraction. Oh my God, subtraction problem is the point. So that's a real issue. Um, and there's talk of a third party candidate maybe coming out and trying to derail Trump or would the third party candidate derail Hillary. And I've been talking the last few weeks and I still think that if our country is going to go a more moderate way, the best idea would be for Hillary and Bernie to make a pact and him to agree to be her running mate be her vice president, and then he gets the populist anger that Trump captures, that he also captures supporting Hillary's ticket, and she would definitely beat Trump in my estimation. But if he doesn't choose, if she doesn't choose him, and he doesn't win, which seems almost incredibly unlikely at this point that he will, he um, would be able to keep that anger on a more mainstream ticket and diffuse Trump. Okay, but there's a new idea I'm about to share that someone you shared with me tonight, this guy Brian, um, he's a, a music manager um, and uh, entrepreneur as well. I was talking with tonight at his bar in Hollywood um, and where I performed the second show that I did um, and it's a very interesting idea. So if we did that, if they agreed to do that, then I think Hillary and Sanders' ticket would be pretty unbeatable, but the country's progress would be very, hopefully I think it would still move in a good direction. I think Hillary would be a very capable leader. It would be cool to have the first female president, but it would move in a very measured, moderate, slow, incremental progression. And we'd get some changes, and we'd get a lot of the same, and we'd get some things we don't like, and some bloating, and some cronyism, and... And it may not be as effective as making sweeping change. So what's interesting, this guy brought up to me a, an idea that I hadn't thought of really, is instead of Trump used to threaten to have an independent run, instead of Gary Johnson of the of the Green Party or whatever it is running as independent, what if Bernie Sanders did it? What if Bernie Sanders wins California on Tuesday and, the, and many of the other states that are on Tuesday? but especially California is the big prize, the huge delegate rich state. And then instead of waiting until he officially loses and has to then consider a third-party run, which seems like he's doing after he lost as a desperate move, ride the wave of the momentum and do it right after California. Actually define your political revolution that I've criticized from him saying inspiringly and getting people pumped, but then not really defining what the revolution is other than donating $27 to his campaign, you take the momentum off of this huge win 
and announce right then that you've been accusing the 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 system of being rigged. You've been accusing the two-party system of being rigged. You've been accusing the um. You've been accusing the Democratic Party, the one that you're running for the nomination of, of having a completely stupid and rigged process. 800 superdelegates pledging for Hillary before the campaign even started, before Bernie was even in or made one speech. Literally them saying they do not care about the will of the voters at all. They don't even care to hear what the candidates have to say themselves before making their own personal decision as power players in their party, which is what superdelegates are. They just put their eggs in the basket of one of the establishment candidate before they even heard them. I mean, before they even heard Hillary speak once in this campaign is so rigged that why would he play that game? He's not even a Democrat. He's an independent who just has been caucusing with the Democrats and running for the Democrat nomination. He'd be the perfect person. He's a true independent to run as an independent. And he would, as this guy Brian pointed out very intelligently, would siphon off a lot of of Trump supporters, as Trump stumbles, as he says more fucked up things, as he alienates people, as people get more scared of the prospect of actually electing Donald Trump, even though they like his tell it like it is, open parentheses, sometimes also while lying, so not really telling it like it is, close parentheses, style. Bernie has that as well, but does it on the side of the people, and on the side of good causes, and on the side of helping people, and on the side of social progress, on the side of civil rights, on the side of gender rights, on the side of a higher minimum wage, on the side, the side of a living wage. And with Trump agreeing, we need to renegotiate some of our trade agreements, and we need to make sure that we bring jobs back as a huge priority and also not start wars we can't finish. And Hillary Clinton's much more hawk-like. Bernie has the ability to take that momentum and get a huge percentage of the Democrats, which he already has about 50%, lately, in most of this election of, and he can get a huge percentage of the Republicans who don't like Trump and who just like a lot of those aspects of him. And I bet he might be leading in the polls or neck and neck right off the beginning. At first, he'll be trailing a bit, but I can see it coming out of the gate. 40% of the country thinking maybe Trump, 42% maybe that's not math. This math's not working well. Maybe like 36% thinking Trump. Maybe like 39% thinking Hillary. And then the remaining, um, you know, what's that? 39 is about 80, 77. The remaining 33%, well, I guess the remaining 23%, rather, sorry, being for Bernie initially. And then as he speaks and to realize that Hillary doesn't want to change things and has this like very establishment and very entrenched background with a lot of scandals and weird things over the course of her career, they've tried to bring her down with two being a very flawed candidate to represent the Democratic ideals. And on the other side, um, Trump just having manifold issues, like many, many, many issues, and character issues and flaws and problems and messed up things he said and advocates that divide us rather than bring us together as one country would coalesce behind Bernie. I think he would quickly take the lead and could win the presidency that way. And I think it might be a better idea than my idea of them joining into one ticket or my thought of that. And perhaps if that happens, the political revolution could be a true revolution, one that is so needed in this country and one that I've said a million times in this podcast that I tried to debate with 
with U.S. Representative Maxine Waters in this podcast from the DNC four years ago, from the Democratic National Convention. She's like, I don't want to debate the nature of our system with you, which was the whole problem. I even asked the late Senator Frank Loudenberg about and he agreed that the system is so entrenched largely due to our two-party system. Why not get rid of it? Burning could represent the melting away of these antagonistic, old-school, antiquated, crony, power-player parties run by big corporations and funded by a lot of self-interested assholes on both sides and have an independent party where we tackle issues on a case-by-case basis, which, oh, by the way, is the only intelligent way to ever possibly do that, to ever possibly make intelligent decisions is to do it issue by issue and not have a party platform where you feel like you can't deviate from any of your party's five or six or seven or nine main issues on either side. Otherwise, you feel like a traitor and you feel like you've got half the country down your throat. Instead, realize, oh yeah, that was just a mistake. Maybe our founding fathers messed up setting up this party system in our country. That was one check and balance we did not need since we already have so many checks and balances in our systems of government, in the judiciary branch and the executive branch and legislative branch, checking on each other in the people's branch, getting to vote people in and out every few years that we don't also need within the legislative branch and the executive branch and even in the Supreme Court as it is divided by partisan lines these days and now 4-4, missing a uh, ninth justice at each other's throats only on ideological lines decided by our grandfathers and our forefathers. Instead, oh, let's just talk issue by issue and evolve our beliefs as we see fit, as one country with one goal to be happy and provide for all of us and keep each other safe. That's three goals. It's three goals. It's not one goal. That's a little bit slightly more complex math than one minus one equals zero. But both I mean, pretty elementary math. Elementary, my dear Watson. And I don't know why I said that weird. And in my head, I wasn't sure if I was thinking, uh, I was going to say Shakespeare Watson, but I don't mean Shakespeare, the, the, the detective, still British, Sherlock Holmes. See, it's also an SH and a K sound in there. Sherlock Holmes Watson or the IBM computer Watson. But it, it doesn't matter if I, which one I thought. Because it doesn't affect the meaning of anything. And I should not have wasted your time for the last 15 seconds asking that question. It's now been 25 minutes of this podcast. I'm unable to do them very short. I'm very stupid. I'll be very tired during an important day of press. But I can't leave the brain trust fallow. I know you all depend on this podcast every week. And I love to bring it to you. Um, it's time to check in with the Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The Glebe Squad. The Big Glebers. Hashtag Big Glebers, the Big Glebers and all of us, Glebe Nation, the Glebe Mob, or Glob for short, the Friends with Benefits, Brain Trust, it's time for Twitter answers. I asked the Brain Trust. Which of your five senses is most important to you, and why? Hashtag LWOE. For Last Week on Earth. Follow at Last Week on Earth, y'all. And the Brain Trust came back with this. Here's some highlights. Jess at underscore J-B-L-Y-T-H-E. You gotta lose that underscore, yo. Says, sight, because I can see your beautiful face. Oh, I didn't even read that until now, actually. 
That's very sweet. I would not have put that in there if I had known. All right, I'm going to click on the profile picture now, and it's a girl in a bikini. So it's pretty nice. Going to be favoriting that post. Yeah, I'm reading these from Twitter again, just raw. Again, on account of the late hour and the super non having the time to sleep much. L at Call Me Slinky says, Hearing. Silence freaks me the fuck out. I mean, it shouldn't. You should listen to the beautiful song by Simon and Garfunkel, The Sounds of Silence. An ironic song, because in and of itself it is music and not silent. Catherine Macaroons, one hell of a name right there, at Harpist2001, says, Hearing. The second vote for hearing. I have no sense of smell, she says, which is linked to taste. I have synesthesia, so I taste sounds. Whoa, that's cool. I never really knew what that meant, but I kind of do get it. Because um, I can taste a, I can taste smells sometimes. What does it mean? And what do sounds taste like? You play the harp. What does the harp taste like? What are your favorite sounds? What do your favorite sounds taste like? And what is, do your, how would you describe the taste of your least favorite sounds? Please follow up with me on this on Twitter and I'll read them next week. Or at least I'll try to remember to. I'll at least share them on Twitter. You get it. Ryan Platt at Raya Platt says, Taste, because I think food is the best way to embrace a culture while traveling. I do agree with that. It is really cool to see how we have these different niche food styles around the globe. And also, it's essential for survival. It's one of the only senses related to, like, super related, I feel like, to survivability. And then Optimus for PA Gov, our old friend John Hollowich, says, Honestly, sight is most important to me. I love reading. And sometimes I'd rather not hear people. Haha, <laughs> I like that. Hashtag Twitter answers. Where you can always find Twitter answers, by the way, is just search hashtag Twitter answers and you can see if I've posted it for that week yet. Um, that's a good good point. My mom had eye surgery a couple years ago and she loves reading more than anything, and thank God she's mostly recovered and practically entirely recovered and can read again. Um because that is how you get around the world in a big time, in a big way, too. And you could eat and survive without taste, but you can't see and get around so easily. Hearing is lovely, and music you wouldn't be able to experience without hearing. But as far as, but what did I ask? Did I ask your favorite or most important to you? My favorite sense, if I just had, before reading the last couple, if I had just choose my favorite sense, I think it would probably be sight, because there are so many beautiful things in this world. And also, I mean, girls, come on. Ladies, you're really killing it. Your your game is killing it, and I like to sometimes see you, um, oftentimes. And then, but the most important for survival, I think also sight. So sight, the thing is, the answer for me is sight. I don't usually answer these, but sometimes I do. And lastly, Dale Cifuentes at Anuna Ki Kung Fu said, Taste. Flavors are very important to me, and a nice bloody steak is definitely a euphoric experience. Great point. Great point. I do love a delicious steak. Also, it further makes, again, my animal slash gorilla point from earlier. Hashtag Harambe, but also hashtag Human Bay. Human Bay Bay. You get it. Um, it's interesting. I'd like to hear more people's thoughts on this. Please tweet at me if you're listening to this. More answers to which uh, sense is your favorite. Um, and I sense that it is definitely beyond time for me to go to sleep. Let me just briefly announce, you can get tickets now very streamlined to all of my live shows in the city near you at BenGlebe.com, the new BenGlebe.com website. I'm coming very soon to St. Louis and San Antonio and Chicago and Minneapolis. Please watch Idiot Test, still airing 
two episodes a week, every Tuesday at 10 and 10.30, Nines Central on GSN, the Game Show Network. It's the most watched original show on the network. We were nominated for an Emmy this year, and great news, we lost. It's not great news, but I like to spin things positively for my own self-esteem. And um, please spread the word and watch this Friday night at 10 p.m., my first ever hour-long stand-up special, Neurotic Gangster. Hashtag Neurotic Gangster online. N-E-U-R-O-T-I-C. Gangster is self-explanatory with an E-R at the end. The respectful way to spell it. Um, tell your friends to watch. And just please watch it and enjoy it. Um, I've worked very hard to get to that point, And I think I'm very proud of this. It. one of the best sets I've ever had in my life. And I think you'll enjoy it. Um, thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, oh, and as I promised, I will leave you. Well, I'm glad I didn't even tease. I was could have teased it earlier, but it's a cool surprise now. With the official final track that I you heard Ben and I practicing in the parking lot the other day at the Den on a podcast a couple weeks ago. Here is finally finished. And you can hear it and download it if you can download it on SoundCloud. I'm not sure. But hear it a bunch of times. Spread the word and tweet this out, too. Ben Morrison and I, frequent guest slash co-host of this podcast, my dear friend whose birthday it is right now. Happy birthday at Ben the Morrison. Wish him a happy birthday and tell him I sent you if you want. Or just, just wish him a happy birthday on your own. You don't need to credit me on that, actually. But he and I have this rap group called Ben's. B-E-N-S, all capitals. It's a hashtag in and of itself. Um, we landed on that, by the way. No Z, no Z dollar sign, no S dollar sign, just capital B-E-N-S. Ben's in all caps, y'all. Um, and our song, Anti-Social Media railing on about what, until this week, honestly, people have been so generous with sharing my special, but that's because you guys are awesome. But generally speaking, people retweeting only stupid things, only dumb things, and even when they like something, only usually favoriting it and not spreading the word. No one looks at your favorites list. They just look at things that you put in their feed. So feed people food that's healthy for them and not just junk all the time. Um... And so the song really is about my annoyance at people on social media. Um, but just know it does not apply to any of you who have always been super cool to me. But yeah, it never hurts to retweet a little more generously. I try to do it when I like the content. And maybe you should too. But here is the debut of the official track. You can hear yourself at soundcloud.com slash Ben's Ben's Ben's. Soundcloud.com slash Ben's Ben's Ben's. Um, anti-social media featuring the lovely, beautiful, and talented singer the haunting voice that I love singing the hook, Lauren Marie. It's anti-social media. Until last week, next week, this has been Last Week on Earth. Mm-hmm. Dude, two retweets. That's ridiculous. That's funny, and that's two retweets. I don't get it. I'm anti-social media, it's mean to you and it's fleeting, huh? I'll wait some cats unseating you, or adorable babies beating you and it cheapens you. Virility, the great con. Oh, now you look up from your phone? Why? The internet broke on? If you're going viral, it ain't your brains. It's all this dumb shit that I disdain. But you got all the followers, cause them duck-ass lips. Them nutshot clips. Them makeup tips. You're so opinionated, every day's a trip. You ain't having it. And your vlog is really killing it. Oh, I'm sitting at home posting, roasting. The world was sick jokes. Always that boasting, but no one else is exposing me. By clicking me views and they post a B. Cause I've been putting out dope shit mostly. 
still you don't fit in the decent seat to retweet my shit. Well, I'm over it. You favored it? So no one sees in it can savor it? But behave it, kid. I'm your savior, kid. All this genius shit, you've been craving it. You see both your arms be waving it, but I've been holding back. I've been saving it because your brain is shit. Now that I think about it, maybe I'll just quit. I'm anti-social media Cause your ego's always feeding ya And you've got all the followers Cause a damn duck ass lips You ain't having it And your vlog is really killing it Yeah, I can't go cold turkey When the popular shit's fake like tofurkey And the reason's murky And my shit is real and quirky And their shit cold like a slurpee yeah, I got more beef than beef jerky. Never do a Slim Jim! Like an angry ram, I hit Instagram. I got thousands of followers who are all on my jam. But what's that? But what's that? For real? Just 62 likes? Is y'all like finger too tight? I mean, I'm doing dub smashes, I'm doing podcasts, 80 part Instagram lamp series, live periscopes. That not enough for y'all? I quit Vine, cause fuck it. Fucking's the only thing I need to do for six seconds. Let me call you an Uber. I'm all about Snapchat, kid. I'm on Tinder, course. Mon J swipe, just trying to swipe me a wife. And Pinterest, I ain't got no interest. You put my shit on the wall, but you can't even put a link in? I'm trying to promote a project, and I just got a fucking picture on a clipboard? What does that do for anybody? Also, I'm on LinkedIn, but I never checked it. Oh, and Facebook notifications? Fuck you, too. Never checked you either. And also, your app is confusing. Take it, BMO. I don't get it why you don't click like, kid. And I don't get it because my shit is so tight, kid. It was only 15 seconds, but it took me an hour. Then I posted that shit and y'all was sour? All you gotta do is give my ass one click to let the whole wide world know that you like my shit and let everybody know that your boy is funny. Because guess what? My shit didn't cost you no money. Snapped with Bagram, you're selfish with them all. You're really pretty greedy with what you share on your wall. I'm giving out free gems, like free comedy shows, and you're like, oh, another one of those? Yeah, y'all yeah, love, love me the most if y'all just watch my Instagram posts. Yeah, y'all yeah, love me the most if y'all just watch my Instagram posts. But yo, I'm feeling bitter because none of these people are fucking retweeting my Twitter And I can't keep on top of I love you like a babysitter But I've been posting all year and just a flitter shit I've been putting up consistently quality posts It's like this town is filled with ghosts Ghosts without computers Let a ghost computer store was hit by looters What a riot, can we all get along? And you ain't seen the different levels in what I'm saying. I'm paying enough attention to now. I'm not playing. I'm paying to become a viral sensation. I'm waiting. Not now I'm playing. Same respect is not when I'm slaying. But I'll still use my brain to find a way in. And I'll stay in. I'm anti-social The shit I'm posting is rare, see? So if you like it, hit the RT. Don't like it quietly or privately. Don't be a dick. Be a pussy. Spread it widely. If it's so nice to be meeting me, then why ain't you tweeting me? Feels like you're cheating me. Any way to be treating me? I'm looking at my feed, but what does it all mean? So much happening, everyone's complaining about all different things. From bad series endings, haters hating, and lion slayings. You know, people could not be worse to me. I just want to log in my folder some controversy. So please stop all your spamming. I just want to live tweet the Grammys. Or have politicians scamming. Home any moon over my hammies. Then I got to go, because I'm home in my jammies. Well, really, pants on a shirt, but that didn't rhyme, so don't be mad at me. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.